0: CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike F.M. Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Carroll, and we are back talking more CFL football again this week uh, here with our week three recap episode of the podcast. The Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Make sure you go and check out all of the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Mike, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, I'm good. I promised everybody I would let everybody know where the heck I am this week.
0: Yes, because Mike is not straight across from me. We are not at the studio where we
1: normally record this. Right, I will reveal where I am later in the show.
0: He's on vacation somewhere.
1: We'll we'll give you that. Uh, One hint before I... uh, and build a location later. There was a football game played here on Thursday night.
0: Well, I mean, that's the first game we're going to talk about, so that kind of gives it away. The uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks in Calgary, hmm, to face the Calgary Stampeders. I wonder where Mike is. Hmm. Uh, of course, yes, you are on vacation in Calgary. I mean, that pretty much confirms it there. Uh, have you had a chance? during your travels to uh, catch this week's CFL games?
1: A little bit. You know, I I did catch a little bit back in the hotel on Thursday in Regina and then caught most of the Bomber game and most of the BC game and about the back half of the fourth game this week.
0: Wonderful. And, uh, of course, texting back and forth, I filled you in on a couple of things along the way. So we should be all set here, and let's start with the – game in calgary on thursday night the stem peters pulling out a 24 14 win over the ottawa red blacks this was a messy messy game mike
1: you know as it's messy the way calgary likes to play of late but again i think at the end of the day you know the right team won over the course of 60 minutes and uh ottawa seemed to have a bit of a letdown period uh which a lot of teams do against Cowdery. and unfortunately, you know, five minutes off the jazz pedal, fourteen points or so later. You know, there's your difference in points.
0: Yeah, the uh I mean I think coming in we all expected this game to be a barn burner. A both teams up in the thirties in points, something along that line's a really close game there. Uh bit of a surprise when after the first quarter it's three nothing Ottawa. Uh, and at halftime, you're looking at a 7-6 Calgary lead. And even going into the fourth quarter, Calgary only leading 10-7. Uh, a lot of people picking this one as game of the week. Uh, it looked like it dropped quite the dud on us for the large part of this. And really, the sad thing about it is, is when you know when you have a low-scoring football game, a lot of times you can be like, well, you know, there's fans, and, and I would classify myself as one of them. You you can have a low-scoring football game, but still have a really good one because if you're a fan of defenses, you get that. But the problem is with this game, is it wasn't necessarily even strong defensive performances. It was just dropped passes, you know, overthrown balls, a lot of sloppiness.
1: Yeah, and I and I think that takes away from flow the game, ma uh... I didn't have a chance to look at this, but the total um, passing stats of Boldy by Mitchell and Trevor Harris put together it sounded like by most accounts, but they did not have a high completion percentage both ways, and it's it's unfortunate you did a game like that. And unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, it was Ottawa made some mistakes, and that's when Calgary seemed to find some footage.
0: Yeah, the uh, Bowie by Mitchell, 19 of 35 for 251 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. That's not too bad, but, uh, and then on the other side, you've got Trevor Harris, 13 of 29 for 135 yards and interception. Now, Trevor Harris actually got pulled in this game uh, with Dom Davis taking over in the fourth quarter. He goes 5 of 7 for 41 yards and a touchdown. Looked good on that touchdown drive, Davis did. Uh, do you agree with that decision to pull Harris there in the fourth quarter?
1: I'm not too sure the circumstances around the move. Um, but you know what? I mean, anything that parts your team, I guess, at that point. I'm assuming the change happened after after Ottawa had that bit of, bit of a letdown. And then, you know, basically to have a backup come off the bench, get a touchdown, to get a the close. I'm assuming it was 24 to seven at one point.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. Basically, Calgary in the fourth quarter scored two touchdowns, about three minutes apart. So,
1: you know, and that's all you need, right? I mean, Calgary's gotten to this point where, you know, they don't need Boley by Mitchell to throw for 400 yards. Yes, it would be nice, but I, I would say the characteristic of Stampede teams of late is now on uh, on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Uh, In terms of recapping games here, I want to kind of try a new flow here this week, Mike. Uh, Ottawa, Calgary, pick one of these teams, and what did you like and not like about what they did this week?
1: Well, I mean, for me, I, I did not like what Ottawa had as a game plan offensively. I mean, if, quite honestly, you come and you get seven points from your starting quarterback after having a very good performance, in week number two, because you had the week one by, you know, there's obviously a bit of a letdown that happened. Uh, so, you know, for me, I, I'm just floored at how Ottawa's offense came out. You know, I thought they could have been better for sure. Should have been better than I had high expectations after week number one. But I, but I think, you know, you put Ottawa in the same boat through two games as you do for most teams, right? right. One day, g- except for Calgary. You know, one good game, one bad game, right? So, so again, I, I think Ottawa's performance is somewhere in the middle. And
0: what, I'm wondering... What do you
1: like from what you saw from Ottawa? Well, I, I liked them. I was encouraged by their defense, but they were able to, you know, to keep them in, in it for large, you know, stretches and winning for large stretches. The problem is, like, your defense eventually, especially in Calgary... It didn't give up touchdowns. You have to find a way to answer. Um, you have to wait, find a way to answer when, you know, Calgary does get that little push offensively. I I, I think to, to hold them, you know, I think it was 10 points at the half, 10, 10 sets at one point. Yeah. You know, you know, that's a win on many cases, and you need your offense to just do a little bit more, but... In credit, I wonder if you know Calgary's defense should be a little bit more credited instead of you know Ottawa defense taking the fall in this one.
0: Yeah, I'll, uh, as to what I liked and didn't like, I'll take the stamp. Talk about the stamp, Um here. Is it possible, Mike, that Calgary's defense is even better this year?
1: You know that was the touch. I mean, everybody you know was sleeping on. You know, everybody kept, kept thinking, but a lot of time, myself included, it's harder to take a step back. I, I'm I telling did.
0: you, they look better this year than last year, even. Uh, through three games, 11.67 points against per game. If if you can keep that up, I mean, you're going to win every football game this year. They're 3-0 and to start the season. Everyone expected Calgary to take a step back this year because they lost pieces, and uh, they show no signs of doing that, and I don't know if they will.
1: You know, it's very interesting because I I don't think, you know, I don't think you jump on, um, I don't think you even read a team for what they are through three games for the most part, two games for some teams. I think we need at least another two weeks to figure out, you know, where teams sit.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, so I was really impressed with Calgary's defensive performance again this week. And I I, I want to watch and see, you know, how they keep up this trend. Can they keep that up? Just like, and we'll get into that game as our final one, the Alouettes. You know, everyone's celebrating when they finally broke 10 points on a game. Uh, you know, and now the question on the other side of the ball for Calgary, it's like, can they keep this average uh, of below even 15 points against the game? Because you'll win almost every game if you can allow... Less than 15 points, you would think. I'm interested but, to see if they can keep that
1: going. But in the opinion, but like, the CFL to me, like I think a really good defense is in the 20, is in the 17 to 24 points a game allowed. Yeah. Just with based on the way you know the rules are kind of tilted for the offensive team. So this this is very very impressive.
0: Uh, in terms of what I ne- didn't necessarily like from the Stampeders, I think it's just the offensive sloppiness, uh, you know, early in that game. This was an offense that put up a lot of points against the Toronto Argonauts the week before. We were expecting a lot of the same. Maybe this is credit, Todd, was defense, which you talked about. But uh, offense early on in the game, at least, seemed like they struggled to get things going. And it, it was just a sloppy game all around.
1: You know, it's funny. There's some discussion here in Calgary about how uh, how Bully by Metro wants to bolt through the NFL after this year, or at least try the NFL. I'm not so convinced his numbers are going to help him out this year.
0: Well, he had that game. It's funny because he had that game against Toronto where he put up the third best completion percentage in a game in CFL history. Um, but in game one, he was under 50% passing this week. He was just over 50, 50 percent passing, you know, that's, that's weird how you go through the ups and the downs like that.
1: And I think Bully by Mitchell will be the first to tell you that, you know, he needs to be better and I I think he will be better, but you know, up and down Bully by Mitchell tells you just how dread this defense has been to, you know, to win you know, he's had two, I think average would be the word, and the fact that Calgary won two games when Boley by Metro has been average just speaks to how good that defense is. Absolutely. Moving on to our next game here, we kicked
0: off the Friday night doubleheader in Hamilton with the Ticats, uh, beating the Bombers 31-17. Uh, your initial
1: thoughts on this game? Well, I hope everybody saw exactly why I picked Hamilton to be first in the East. I mean. Yeah, yeah.
0: Toot your own
1: horn. I picked the Argos. But, man, did they. <laughs> in all seriousness, they look good. Um, they look good, uh, Hamilton. Uh, boy, oh, boy. Mazzoli is. I asked this last week. I said, you know, when is the time to consider, you know, Jeremiah Mazzoli as the top four quarterback? Oh. In the CFL, and I really think the time is now, and it was cemented by that performance.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I have been a huge supporter of Jeremiah Mazzoli, and you know that was, and we'll get into what our other uh, most popular tweet of the week was, but that seemed to be the most popular tweet is uh, that I put out on our account at CFC on Mike FM on Twitter was, you know. Jeremiah Mazzoli, as much as everyone still tries to be- discredit him or dis- or not believe in him as a strong quarterback uh, and everyone refusing to admit it, Jeremiah Mazzoli is in fact good at the football. He absolutely tore the Bombers' defense apart this week and maybe part of that is do- to do with the, uh, the Bombers' defense there, but I mean, Mazzoli's looking great.
1: He hears the pain. I mean, how much, like, is it an accident in your mind that Jeremiah Mazzoli is driving under this June Jones offense? I mean, you know, they were six and four. They're two and one now. They're, they're eight and five with June Jones as their coach. Um, Man alive. Like, they finally, like, I remember tight chat teams in the early 2000s being very good, anchored on that defense by Joe Montford, and you know, back to when Bomber Assistant General Manager Danny McManus was the quarterback, and those were good tight team. teams. I'm a little bit hesitant to put this team up with that team right now, but boy, oh boy, they're trending in the right direction.
0: Well, and you want to talk about offense. Uh, who thought coming into this year, boy, Alex Green has been on the injured list so far this year. I don't know if he gets back into the lineup when he comes back, Mike, because uh, we saw the breakout game for Mercer Timmis this past week uh, or the week before against the Eskimos, and it looks like this week it was Sean Thomas Erlington with 11 carries for 92 yards. You've got these two Canadian running backs that uh, may be in a dual system here for the
1: Ticats going forward. Well, here's the interesting thing. Wasn't that running back also listed on the depth chart as a slot back? I
0: don't remember. I didn't. I don't know if I saw the depth chart this week.
1: But anyway, I, I somebody tell me, but he was listed as a slot back. Uh, I'll tell you what, running backs are a diamond die, and then one die gets hurt, and it leads to another die's opportunity. There's no guarantee you see the field if, if the person that replaces you while you're injured winds up playing lights out.
0: Uh, The Ticats kind of run ahead in this game with 15 points in the third quarter. The Bombers uh, to the Bombers zero. Bombers pick up a touchdown in the fourth to perhaps make things interesting there. Well, Well, they had
1: a a chance for a really late touchdown in the final minute again, but unfortunately turned it over on downs. What that would have done, I don't know. I mean, those that are a fan of garbage time in the CFL will be shooting your horns at the front of the class, and I think that's what it was. Um, but, again, I, I think we just saw the ramifications of a bomber defense that was worn out. They couldn't get off the field in the first half. You know, the possession was more... More than two to one at one point. I think at halftime.
0: Yeah, final time of possession. Uh, the Tykes had the ball for uh, exactly 15 minutes more than the Bombers, so an entire extra quarter they had the ball for.
1: See, so that just can't happen. And you know, there comes a the point, and especially with the weather forecast, um, you know, with, with the weather for, with the weather forecast being hot and muddy, you know, let's not kid ourselves. It takes a lot out of your body. You know, to be on the field as long as they were.
0: Uh, Let's talk the good and the bad for each of these teams. Which one do you want to take, Mike?
1: I will take the Blue Bombers.
0: Okay, you go ahead with the Bombers first.
1: I didn't like the defense one bit. It was bending back to week one. And I'm sorry. Like, they have this bend but don't break mentality. And how many times have we seen it on shutting down? Where it's setting down and whatever, and they get two yards more than what they need. And at the first down, like somebody has to do something to shut them down in you know those shutting down opportunities. Like yeah. the bomb, the bomber points for the most part were set up off that uh, sales uh, interception. Right. You know, it, if you're relying on your offense to always have to score on short field, it's not going to work.
0: Well, and the interesting thing here is, uh, despite giving up all of the yards, Bombers are, have always been known as that turnover-forcing defense. They really haven't forced a lot of them this year, and now you're seeing a uh, lot of the yards and a lot of the points come, but the turnover's not turning things back in the other direction.
1: See, when you, when, when you force turnovers, it covers up a multitude of sins. The problem is the turnovers are nowhere to be found right now.
0: And, and I think we saw the Bombers' defense almost struggle in a different way this game because the the issue has always been the explosion plays, they call them, right? The big mm-hmm. touchdown passes, the 70-yard passes, huge runs. Ticats didn't really have a lot of those this game, but it looked like the Bombers were overcompensating for that because they figured it was coming. And this meant they had their, you know, defensive backs a couple yards off the receivers. Uh, yeah. That, down deep. And that's what Mazzoli and the offense for the Ticats did is just play after play, you know, short pass, short pass, move it down the field. And that's why they end up with 15
1: extra minutes of possession.
0: And it's very, very
1: hard, Ryan, when you're constantly in shutting and three to avoid giving up a three-yard play. Yeah. You know, you need to be in such and eight, session and nine consistently to get off the field. Session and medium is a first down for most teams in today's CFL. Uh,
0: talk good for the Bombers. What'd you like?
1: Well, if I thought you talked about one more bad thing for the Blue Bombers. Sure. And I think it really set the tone uh, in the football game. Offensively, there was a holding call. Uh, which negated a bait Andrew Harris run, which they got a field goal out of by no, actually no, they had to punt the ball. Uh, there was a run down by Harris to the 15-yard line, called back by an unnecessary holding call. Again, you know, you talked about a first down at the 15. At that point in the game, you know, you're going to score. Now you punt. Your defense is back on the field. It's it's a vicious cycle. So the bombers. To me, especially early in the game, we're very, very undisciplined. What do you make of Chris straveller's performance? Because
0: I think it's safe to say this was his worst performance of his professional football career through three games. Uh, 17 of 30 for 146 yards. Uh, a lot of that seemed to come during garbage time. Uh, five carries for 55 yards as well. Uh, we knew it was coming eventually, right? And uh, I think we kind of expected it to come against the Ticats this week. But Chris Trevler fell back to earth this week.
1: Well, I, I don't even think he was that bad, to be very honest with you. I, I just think he didn't get a lot of help. I mean, you know, Dressler dropped the pass. Sure, he shorted off a couple passes. But, you know, somebody's got to make a play at some point.
0: That's fair. Uh, so what did you like from the
1: Bombers? Well, I liked the fact that they didn't give up late in the game. They actually tried to make the comeback. And I'll tell you what, Chris Strebler looked like a veteran running that late. Hurry up offense, and that to me is very, very encouraging.
0: Absolutely, I noticed that as well. That despite the struggles during the game, uh, when it came down to running that hurry up offense, he uh, he did that quite well.
1: I just don't know why they haven't done it more with traveler
0: The hurry up, yeah. I think I think you want to give the new quarterback some time, maybe to get used to the playbook and to make sure to run through everything and check his reads as he goes. You know, you don't want to throw a guy in there uh, first pro game or second pro game and say, okay, uh, you don't have time to really visualize the play. Let's just get this set up and let's get going every no- every down.
1: Well, here's the interesting thing, and I hope Mike will say, you know, the coaches have a meeting with the referees before the game, and one thing I really noticed is the referees really like to stall the bombers, uh when they do run that hurry-up offense. So I think that might be part of the reason why they've kind of gone away from it. But if I'm a referee, and you know the Bombers want to run a hurry-up, you better get that ball to the line in a hurry. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose of what you're trying to do.
0: Right, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Tycat's side of things, what I loved, we talked about Mazzoli in the offense, So, uh, and you know how they picked apart the Bombers' defense piece by piece here. Uh, I want to talk about this defense for Hamilton because we talked about Calgary's dominant defense is clearly the top one in the league. I think Hamilton's got to be at number two here because they shut down Bowie by Mitchell in week one. They shut down the Eskimos high-powered offense in week two, and uh, they shut down the Bombers' offense in week three here. The Bombers have scored the most points out of anyone this entire season. Uh, Well, we're only three weeks in, but they lead the league in points four after blowing out Montreal last week. And uh, Chris Streveler had looked great so far, but the Ticats really shut them down. So that defense is looking fierce.
1: Again, you just hope they don't peak too early. And I, and I said this all along, and I think, we, I, think I said this on the, on the previous show. If the Bombers can go 2-3 with Matt and I out, I would be very, very happy. Right. So that means winning one of the next two games.
0: Yeah, which I think is definitely doable in a home and home with BC, uh,
1: and especially because home and homes are very hard to sweep both ways. Now, Mike, we're we're looking
0: at a situation here where the Thai Cats, Everyone thought the early season was a death trap for them. Their first five games against West opponents, their two and one could easily be three and zero. Oh. Against the West so far, and now they've got back-to-back games. I think with a bye week in the middle, uh, against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who aren't looking very good. Could we see a Hamilton team come out of this West uh, beginning with a four-and-one record?
1: Possibly, but I don't want to jump
0: that far ahead. That's fair. Uh, but certainly a much better start than a lot of people, I think, were expecting from them. I think we expected some struggles early on, uh, but them to pick up late in the season. They're they're looking good. I, I don't have any complaints about the tie cats.
1: I don't have any complaints about the Ticats, but let's see. Once video is on them, you know, it's they changed in up, of course, right? So um, it's kind of quiet in the Johnny football talk, and I'm so thankful for that because... Tell you what, if they're 0-3 right now, they're clamoring for a quarterback change there.
0: I love that Mazzoli has shut people up about that. Um, it's kind of interesting, that was almost a reverse, that Mazzoli's been so good that your question, will Manziel get into a game because, well, the game is out of reach at that point in terms of the Cats are ahead and you don't want Mazzoli to get injured.
1: Yeah, I think he will, and I think literally, Jeremiah is the only way he loses his job is if he unfortunately gets hurt at this point.
0: He very much is looking like an MOP candidate through three weeks. I know you keep saying uh, let's not talk about MOP. There's still you know 17, 18 weeks to go in the season, uh, but we continue that trend of him looking really good so
1: far. He he would he would be my East nominee to this point.
0: He tied the record, CFL record, for most consecutive 300 yard games uh, with now eight straight 300 yard games. Uh, and looking uh, at, you know, he's facing the Riders this week. We'll, we'll talk more about that on our preview show. Uh, but I, I I, think Mazzoli sets the record.
1: Yeah, I didn't just catch one, I mean, in that deep, but I watched a little bit of it. Both teams played very, very bad. And to be honest with you, a squirrel finds a knot eventually. And every once in a while, the squirrel finds a knot. And I think that's what happened. Sorry, the thing is wrong. Every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a knot. And I think that's what uh, Montreal did this week.
0: I, am, I I was trying to process where that analogy was going, and uh, I'm glad we're not sitting face-to-face right now, because I may have triggered a laughing fit with what my face <laughs> looked like there. Um, but, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, we'll get into that game last, as it was the final game of the week. But uh, first of all, the Lions and the Eskimos, Mike. Uh, BC... Starts this game off really well. Forced two turnovers on their first two defensive plays. Um, the Eskimos turn it over on their first two offensive plays. BC jumps out to an 11 nothing lead early in the game. Looks like BC's having a strong start here. And then everything just seems to crumble in the second half. What well, happened as, as Edmonton
1: takes this one 41-22? They crumbled late in the first quarter with that... Uh, P.I. call of a Jason Moss challenge. I, I personally didn't think it was P.I., but I'll tell you what, that you know, kept Edmonton on the field and Edmonton scored a touchdown, got the momentum, got a quick, uh, I believe there was a fumble off an ensuing kickoff somewhere along the line. Uh, Edmonton took that in and the quick thing you knew is that they put up 14 points and were in the lead and you know, BC was kind of spiraling out of control at that point.
0: Right, and uh, the Eskimos dominate the second half uh, really after it was 11 nothing, um, I forget how many consecutive points here. I'll see how, if I can take a look here. I do t- 28, oh, I think. Uh, yeah, something like that, 21. Uh, yeah, I think 29 straight points the Eskimos scored in the middle of this game. That is Oh my! They they really took this one over, uh, and they made the adjustments they needed to, and they performed very well. I would say pretty well on both sides of the ball in this game. Um, if you want to talk about the uh, the good and the bad for each team, uh, which team do you want to take?
1: I'll take BC.
0: All right. Uh, let's start with the Lions then. What was good? What did you like about what you saw? Let's start. Good. Passive.
1: Good start. They forced some turnovers. I really liked what they saw. They got uh, Jeremiah Johnson going early. That really helped things. Uh, you know, when you're up 11 you're 11-2 to at one point, I mean, you don't really have too much to complain. See, the Jeremiah
0: Johnson thing was almost actually in the bad category for me in that they really went away from him. He looked like he was having a strong start to the game. You know the Eskimos can't stop the run. And as the game went along, they just didn't give the ball to Jeremiah Johnson.
1: Well, for some reason, I, I I honestly think it was one of those situations where the game was so far out of hand, you you didn't you couldn't really afford to do that, you know. You kind of you kind of became one dimensional. But you know when Edmonton was rallying, I'm surprised that uh, BC didn't kind of use the running game, which was working, you know, to take some time off the clock and. Kind of the momentum down.
0: Uh, what didn't you like from the Lions?
1: Well, I didn't like the defense. They did not play in tempo. Uh, it's like Mike Riley flipped the switch, and now I think we're seeing why I fit BC to be last in the division.
0: Yeah, and just I, I keep, you know, believing in them. I picked them to win this game, uh, and early on, boy, was I excited about that 11-0 start. But... I was too. But things started to fall apart a little bit. And uh, that defense, really, the big thing is they couldn't stop the run and they couldn't stop the deep ball. Uh, 23 carries, 165 yards and a touchdown for C.J. Gable. You want to talk about season breakout performances, that's about as good as you can get because Gable struggled in the first two weeks and uh, he just ran all over the Lions.
1: It's a very interesting... uh... Very interesting situation, too, with you know how you go about slowing momentum down. It's almost like Edmonton collectively on the sideline. I don't know if you saw that, but Jason Moss had a temper fit for the ages early, early in the football game. He was not happy about that. I, he led into, I'm assuming was Mike Benavides. I mean, you'll have to look at the, at the video, but I just caught him giving an earful to somebody and at almost like that was the uh uh-oh we need to get going this isn't going well kind of scenario
0: yeah and uh and something i would put in the bad department here for the lions is failing to convert early on in the game i know they went up 11 nothing there but uh, tai Long only made two of his four field goals in this game, and uh, they forced those two early turnovers. If they could have gotten a touchdown off the second one, you have to think maybe that changes things a little bit. Uh, it seemed like they yeah. had troubles putting the points on the board when they needed to.
1: Yeah, and especially I, I think you look at a completely different game at 15 or 16 or even 19 to two than you do at 11 to two.
0: Let's talk about Edmonton side of things here. Uh, start with the good, um, or start with the bad. Sorry, let's start with that. It's that uh, again. That early start, you, you give up two turnovers right away. You know, they needed a bounce back game this week because Hamilton shut them down offensively. Hamilton made a mockery of their defense last week, and you come into this one and all of a sudden you're down 11 nothing to the Lions. Early on, you you know, got two turnovers on offense, and it looks like Mike Riley is maybe out of sync for the second week in a row with his wide receivers early in this game. That was not an ideal start to, for them. Uh, to their credit, though, I think they I think they made some adjustments and picked things up as they went along. Yeah. Uh, uh, positives for the Eskimos, I mean, I loved the way in which they got going offensively because... Last week against Hamilton, what we saw when they were trying to get things going offensively was, oh, this isn't working, okay, we need a spark, let's throw it 80 yards down the field, nope, incomplete, okay, well, let's try that again, nope, oh, hey, we got one, okay, well, we'll repeat that, nope, that didn't work, right, it was the deep ball, it was the deep ball, it was the deep ball, and it barely worked. Um, This was the Kenny Stafford show for Edmonton in the first half, of his first seven completed passes or something like that. Six of them went to Kenny Stafford. What do you make of him being the go-to guy there in the first half to give them the spark?
1: You know, you go to your best receiver, and, you know, quite frankly, when things weren't going well, you got to ride the hot hand. And, but and the thing is, they, like,
0: Kenny Stafford's not their best receiver, right? It's Darrell Walker. It's Duke Williams, maybe. And I know they did try a couple passes uh, to these guys, and there were a couple bobble balls, as seemed to be the norm throughout the CFL this week. But uh, Stafford seemed to have the sure hands there in the first half, and he gets them on the board with the touchdown. That kind of started the comeback there for them.
1: Yeah, it's kind of one of those things you'd go with what works, unfortunately. And, and you know, if you're going, you're going, right?
0: And then I, I think they did an excellent job of getting of using CJ Cable this week because um, that's something they didn't do the last two weeks, and that led to them uh, that led to them, you know, having to force the ball down the field. They ran the ball a lot once they got ahead here. They dominated time of possession. Uh, they had not the ball for nine more minutes than BC did. An all-around great job by the offense, and I would say a pretty good job by their defense as well in shutting down B.C.
1: You know, you have to wonder if not putting those early points on the board lit a fire under Edmonton's belly. There's a scary prospect when you go up as early as they did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just goes to show you need to take all the points you can get.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Mike, let's, let's move into talking about our final game of the week. I feel like we might have a lot to say about this one. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hosting the Montreal Alouettes. You know, I was listening to I, some of the other podcasts in the Canadian Football Podcast Network this past week, and uh, I think it was on the Piffles podcast, who cover the riders. You know, they were talking about, and I forget which guy it was. I think it might have been Alex was saying this. Um this is a trap game for the Riders. It's the humble, strong game. Uh, you know, emotions running high. Uh, you're coming off a big loss looking for redemption here. You're at home. You're facing an Alouettes team that just got de- destroyed the week before and is on a 13 game losing streak. This had all the makings of a trap game for the Riders.
1: So to me, I mean, a game like this is unacceptable on the Riders' part. Yeah. This is the game, but they should have won by 20. No excuses.
0: And they lose this one 23-17. Montreal pulls out their first with The streak is over, Mike. And I tell you, it was so fun to watch.
1: You got to put a round of applause uh, sound effect in here somewhere because I am so happy for Cliffy. Yeah, I know he was at the game in Regina. They had that fan playing, and people probably thought, oh, you know what? I don't want to go on the fan plane because they're probably gonna lose.
0: Right, and you're talking well, about Quiffy well, D of the Alouettes flight deck. Yeah, this, uh, he yeah. He was on the show a couple weeks ago.
1: And I'm so happy for him because I've heard him on various outlets. Just sound like he's looking for answers, and I'm not gonna say that. You know, this win turns the Montreal Alouettes, you know, season around, but. I'll tell you what, it gives them something in that locker room to come to work excited that they won their last game. And now I wonder if, despite the win, unintentionally, if they have a quarterback controversy.
0: So here, here's the thing, and I agree with you about the win, is that I, I think I said this in that game against BC earlier in the season when that was a close game for for the most part, that... You just have to think that a win here for Montreal could do so much for them, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. It's finally something positive to rally off of. You know, maybe you get some momentum off of that. Do you think they can take this one win and rally
1: from that as they're going forward here? Well, uh, I think they can take into effect. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but they... uh... Signed a pretty darn good offensive lineman today, but the Canadian.
0: Yeah, I wanted to actually mention that. So why don't you go ahead and break the news?
1: Uh, they had, uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, what the name is. Maybe you have it in front of you. but
0: Yeah, offensive lineman Tyler Johnstone.
1: Yeah, so there was an offensive lineman, but was kind of left uh, for naught. I know Three Down Nation had the story about how he became a supplemental pit. They basically, um, they basically coveted this guy, minus he had a severe injury last year in college. They had him paid as a high first-round pick in the NFL draft, and because of his injury, his draft thought fell. Uh, didn't wind up getting picked, and therefore got his Canadian citizenship uh, applied for the draft late. Hence why. You know, he's in the supplemental draft. I'll just tell you what. Montreal has quietly built themselves the most exciting Canadian depth on the offensive line.
0: I think they started five Canadians this week.
1: Yeah, and now you add this guy in there. Like, okay, slowly but surely they're getting the pieces here.
0: Yeah, well, you say most exciting Canadian depth. That that offensive line, to the, to be fair, Mike in Montreal doesn't look very good so far this season. So they have a lot of depth, but is it high quality depth? That remains to be seen. In the Question.
1: You know, I I just think it's one of those things where they're so young, you need to let them play and let them figure it out.
0: Um, Of course, they forfeit, uh, I I don't honestly quite understand how the supplemental draft all works, uh, but they basically had first shot at Tyler Johnstone, and uh, they forfeit their first-round pick for the 2019 draft uh, in order to take him in the supplemental draft.
1: Do you agree
0: with that decision?
1: Well, here's what happened. I mean, I, I heard from various people that covered the CFL that Johnson was gonna fetch a first-round pick from multiple teams. So what happened is, my understanding is because it happened so early in the season, and I could be slightly off on this, so my apologies if is incorrect. It goes to be a waiver priority based on last season standings. Every team could put a pick uh, if they so choose to bid on said player. So let's say, I know when the Bombers got Wal-Tarsky, uh they had waiver priority. They gave up a third to get Walletarski a couple years ago in the supplemental draft. So every team can forfeit whatever draft pick they feel is um, adequate for said player. If two teams offered the same pick, in this case, the first-round pick, what happened is it goes down to waiver priority from the previous season, with Montreal automatically received waiver priority over anybody, right? Because they were the worst team in the lead and had the worst record.
0: Fun fact on Tyler Johnstone for you here, Mike. He uh, he's a podcaster. He runs a podcast. Uh, check him out on Twitter at tjohnstone64. Uh, you can find a link to his podcast there. I was checking it out. Uh, the, uh, the guys from the Owlettes Flight Deck podcast were the ones who, you know, shared that out. Um, it looks like he, uh, he runs podcasts podcast talking sports. So uh,
1: that's kind of cool. Interesting thing here too while you're on CFL News. Sounds like the Hamilton chat are miles apart on the contract with their number one overall Pitt Chapman.
0: Yeah, I don't know when he's finally going to uh, when he's finally going to sign there. I want to get back to the game between the Owls and the Riders. Um, the big story in this game was, well, in the words of Deontay Spencer, some guy named or some guy named number 89. Or something to paraphrase like that. And Carter at defensive back again this week. Deontay, he had the pick six last week. But Deontay Spencer torched him for a touchdown. They put him back there this week. And Chris Williams had his number the entire night long. Uh, three catches for 130 yards and a touchdown for Williams. Uh, his longest one being a 79-yard touchdown against Uh, Duran.
1: Brian, I saw the replay on that touchdown. There was no catch in them. Duran had no idea what was going on on that play.
0: And I mean, there were even a couple more cases where Williams, you know, dropped a couple passes, but had him beat there as well. So um, that was a, that was a matchup that the Alouettes really exploited. And The defensive back, Deron Carter, experiment in Saskatchewan, when's it going to end?
1: Here's the thing, and if I can just talk to Chris Jones for a minute, Chris Jones, the general manager, is not helping Chris Jones, the coach. Does it speak to depth problems on your team? If you're best receiver, if you are so stubborn, is a better defender than it. Clearly, everybody sees him as a very good receiver. If you don't have depth to cover for one injury, I think you got a real problem.
0: Now, right after this game, uh, despite his struggles there, uh, Chris Jones did, did go and say that Daron Carter would be playing defensive back again this week against the Cats. And everybody immediately went to the CFO on TSN Fantasy Football and put Brandon Banks in their lineups because, uh, boy, is that going to be a matchup that Hamilton exploits this week if that's the case. But now since then, Mike, it looks like perhaps Daron Carter might not be starting at defensive back because the Riders did just bring in a defensive back today uh, a first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens in the 2013 NFL Draft, uh, Matt Elam.
1: Yeah, I remember him.
0: So he's brought into the organization now. Maybe he takes over that uh, that spot at the uh, defensive back position. And Deron Carter can go back to doing what he does best, which is being a wide receiver. Which, offensively, talk about Saskatchewan's offense.
1: Well, honestly, I don't think it would have mattered. The way they played last week who is at running or who is catching the football because play with the football never thought to who it was supposed to get to.
0: Right. Yeah. Brandon, um, Brandon Bridge, eight of 18 for 111 yards, two interceptions. He gets pulled, uh, I think coming out of halftime and, uh, Watford, David Watford comes in. 10 of 22, 108 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So, no Chris game John. offensively for Saskatchewan.
1: Wow. To me, Chris John way too early on the hook. I agree with the people that said this is way too early on the hook. Because it is way too early on the hook. I mean, they were in the game. What does it do to Brandon Bread But like, hey, you're not good enough in your first start of the season? Right? To me, there is a real problem with the offensive line in Saskatchewan and with the defensive back. They're just doing up way too many big, big plays. But more so, it doesn't seem to matter who's the quarterback. The offensive line just cannot get it done.
0: Yeah, uh, so we've kind of talked about the bad, you know, defensive back hole, the offensive line there, and the struggles on offense for the Riders. Uh, What did you like from them?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, they played very good defensively, and they made big plays when they have to make big plays.
0: I mean, they shut down everyone but Chris Williams, basically.
1: On defense?
0: Yeah, I mean, they... uh... Montreal had, okay, this this increased, but at one point in the game, I think going into the fourth quarter, Montreal had 204 yards passing and 130 of them were to Williams. So uh, they shut down Terrell Sutton as well, 11 carries, for only 20 yards. That is a very good day for the Riders' defense for the most part.
1: But you need some help from your offense, and they didn't get it. And I am very surprised that they didn't put Durant Carter in a receiver earlier than they did.
0: Well, the funny thing is they did late in the game, and then uh, they throw his way, and he gets picked off.
1: Yeah, just just, I, I will say this, and I mean, I don't mean this, you know, very rudely. Once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut, and I think that's what happened. Montreal got some fluky bounces and some dread bounces and finally got rewarded when it looked like they were going to lose the game.
0: Yeah, uh, it looked like Saskatchewan was going to come back there at the end. I'll, I'll say a good thing for the Riders was the play of Christian Jones because he had that long punt return that set up their uh, their touchdown there in the fourth quarter that looked like maybe this was getting them back on track here late in this one. Uh, Montreal, we talked about Chris Williams, uh, the quarterback position. So Drew Willey goes down with injury. That's now the fourth quarterback, the fourth starting quarterback in the CFL down due to injury in the first three weeks. Make, yeah. it, make it stop,
1: please. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's something about these quarterbacks. Uh, but we... It's, uh, it's,
0: yeah, uh, we talked about positives for the Alouettes, you know, that Chris Williams beating Tron Carter a couple of times. Uh, defensively, I thought they had a really strong defensive performance, you know. They shut Saskatchewan down. They forced four interceptions here, a couple timely ones as well. Uh, really strong gay by, game by Montreal's defense.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing. I mean, if you want to talk about Montreal's player of the game, I think it's Jeff Matthews.
0: Oh, I I disagree. I think Matthew- it's, Chris, it's Chris Williams. I, I and uh, I would actually say Chris Williams and Brandon Dozier are your two players of the game.
1: You know, Montreal finally did enough to put everything together. Jeff Matthews
0: didn't do that much. He didn't look bad, but...
1: Tell you what, he stabled the game for sure.
0: Well, he yeah, he kept the... He didn't do anything to throw the game away late, is all I would say he did.
1: He had that one deep throw, which was fantastic.
0: Yep, that's Uh, true. That's very true.
1: uh, When they needed a first down and to gain the plot, but... Honestly, and I know Montreal fans are probably going to hate me for saying this. If the game was 15 minutes longer, I think they would have lost.
0: Yeah, the bad for the Alouettes is, well, they got some things going offensively. They finally broke 10 points on a game. Uh, They put up 23, but that's still not a lot of points to put up offensively. Um, and, And this was a bit of a dud game by the Riders. I think, you know, if the Riders play a little bit better, they win that one. So... A win is a win, and the Owlets will absolutely take a win here. But uh, you need to see continue to see a bit more
1: improved play here. It's a, it's a short week for the Riders, and they got a very good Hamilton team coming in, so could be um, some real could be some real problems there. If you want to talk about, I don't know if this was a bad thing
0: or a good thing for the Alouettes, you know, when you've lost 13 straight games, you forget what you do when you win. Um, I'm sure you saw the Mike Sherman taking off his headset
1: video. (laughs) Um, I've only seen that about 25 times. Uh,
0: this was hands down our tweet of the week, Mike, you know, watching that after the game. Uh, I put this out there on Twitter. Uh, everybody seemed to love it. Mike Sherman's headset put up a better defensive performance against the Montreal Alouettes than Daron Carter.
1: Yeah, that's so true.
0: <laughs> I mean, that was just a sight to behold, and the internet blew up over it. I mean... It was a good two, three minutes. Sherman's fighting with this, uh, this, uh, this headset. It's getting all tangled up in his shirt.
1: His shirt's <laughs> starting to come <laughs> off
0: there. and He's just trying to get the headset off because he knows the Gatorade shower is coming. And Everyone's just standing around waiting for Gatorade on him. Waiting for him to <laughs> take the dang thing off.
1: <laughs> True, but here's the thing. He screwed himself over trying to put the earpiece through his shirt early on. <laughs>
0: Uh, I might have to give Mike Sherman my player of the week here, Mike. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Missed play of the week, something like that. Uh, Just to wrap up week four here, uh, or sorry, week three in the CFL. Players of the week on offense, defense, and special teams. Who do you give it to on offense?
1: Offense, is Jeremiah Mazzoli. Uh, Not a question.
0: Yeah, that's a very tempting one. I'll actually go to Edmonton and say C.J. Gable uh that was the missing piece i think for the eskimos and he took over that game for them so uh mazzoli had a heck of a game 31 of 41 369 yards a touchdown and interception uh and then cj gable 23 carries for 165 and a touchdown uh defensive side of the ball where are you going there
1: where am i going on the defensive side of the ball dozier
0: that's uh, that's a good choice. I, I think he's a guy that uh, got burned in that game against the Bombers quite a bit. Uh, very sound performance for him here. Uh, he picks up an interception and seven tackles.
1: Yeah, you know what? I mean, that to me, like, let's give Montreal a lot of credit. You know, They got blown out. It would have been super easy to just roll over and die. But the fact that they you know, played a very good game and rebounded beautifully... That was uh, the best part.
0: I, I, I think I'm going to go and give my Defensive Player of the Week to a guy that didn't register a lot on the stats sheet. Uh, he only had three tackles, but he may, But one of those was one of the most amazing tackles I have seen, Mike, and that was Siante Evans of the Calgary Stampeders shutting the Red Blacks down on the goal line with a heck of a tackle, uh, and of course they don't get in on third down there.
1: Yeah, I didn't see it, but I heard it was pretty good.
0: That was a heck of a play, Uh, so I'll give it to Seante Evans. And special teams player of the week, who are you giving it to?
1: Special teams player of the week, I have to go with Christian Jones. Uh, Just from the momentum standpoint, really gave the Riders a fighting chance. Uh,
0: I could go one of two guys, uh, both on the Alouettes here. Uh, I think Steph Logan had another great game this week. Um, you know, 37-year-old Steph Logan can still run pretty well. But uh, Boris Beattie, 5 of 5 in a sca- in a sloppy, low-scoring game like that for a team that hasn't won uh, in their last 13 games. You know, 5 for 5, that's 15 points off of the foot of Boris Beattie. That's a huge performance to get the Alouettes to win.
1: A win's a win. We'll if it into jet number 2.
0: Absolutely. we got a couple minutes left here, Mike. Uh, your overall take on week three and uh, where we're at at this point in the season.
1: Well, as you can tell by my power rankings, everything's changing drastically by the week, and this week will be uh, no different. Yeah, of course,
0: you can check out Mike's power rankings on our website at mikefmwinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. That last part's all hyphenated. Uh, when can we expect to see your power rankings coming out this week, Mike?
1: The usual Thursday morning.
0: All right, sounds good. Um, game of the week, which one uh, we expected? It was either going to be Ottawa-Calgary or Winnipeg-Hamilton. Uh, which which, which game this week was your game of the week? For me,
1: it was montreal Saskatchewan just because of what happened.
0: Just Montreal pulling
1: out the win finally? Yes, and I'm very happy for them. Yeah, you know,
0: it's almost like these past couple of weeks we got two two weeks in a row where there were not that many exciting football games, and I hope that's not a trend this season. You had you had a case, I think, all around the league this year, this week of the dropsees with you know big, <laughs> big name receivers all over
1: the league dropping the ball. <laughs> the dropsees, that the the dead one. Uh, ever, Everyone. They don't what kind of what kind of uh, uh, formula they're putting on on uh, footballs. <laughs> Everyone's dropping it
0: this week. A uh, couple games that Calgary Ottawa game that was ugly early on. That Montreal Saskatchewan game was ugly for a large part of it. Uh, Hamilton over Winnipeg was a 14 point victory. Edmonton over BC was a 19 point victory. The last two weeks, Mike, we've seen some blowouts and some ugly games. We're uh, we're hoping to see something a little better going forward.
1: Yeah, I still think it's way too early for projections and try to figure out, you know, who finishes where. You have long
0: been one of those guys that advocates for one division in the CFL and the West dominance over the East. Uh, The East takes two of the three games between the East and the West division this week after they split, I believe, two and two last week. Um, the West won the first three games of the year, so we are now at, uh, by my calculations, four, I think we're at 6-4, the West leads the cross-division games. Are you uh, are you impressed with how the East has done so far?
1: Yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm still a traditionalist for one division, but I'll tell you what, we're seeing an improvement, but... We'll see if it's sustainable. Well, Mike, that does it for our week three
0: recap here on the podcast. Uh look forward to our week four preview coming out this week as well. Uh, that one, uh, we're giving Mike the night off uh, He while he's on vacation. Thank you so much, Mike, still for joining us for this episode. We figured we'd at least give you one off.
1: All right, I accept that, and I thank all our listeners for understanding. Uh,
0: so week four preview, it will be just me. Uh, I actually just recorded that one before uh, me and Mike got together to record this episode. And then uh, I will also be joined on that one by Brian Warishan of the BC Lions Den Podcast to preview the Bombers and the BC Lions. So look forward to that coming out on the podcast feeds as well. Uh, You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music. Still working on getting on some other platforms. There was a request for Stitcher. I'm still working on that. Uh, Check out our website, mikefmwinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. That's all hyphenated. Find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at CFC on Mike FM. And, of course, check out all the other great uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network shows, you can find them all on Twitter at Network on Twitter, and check out all the great shows there, uh, talking CFL every week. Final quick thoughts, Mike. Do you have anything to say before we say goodbye?
1: Well, I, I'm just very interested to see what your guest has to say about the BC Lions, because I think they've been a myth Uh Very curious what we've to this week absolutely enjoy the rest of your vacation
0: mike we'll be back in studio next week to record our uh, week four recap live on mike fm winnipeg on the tuesday uh, and then our week five preview show mike will be back for that one as well so enjoy the rest of the vacation and have a safe travel home
1: all right i shall uh be back in the 204 mid this week sometime.
0: Looking forward to that. Uh, that does it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying uh, have a wonderful week. Enjoy some football. We hope you had a great Canada Day weekend. And uh, keep uh, enjoying this great Canadian football. Thank you. Bye.
1: Bye.